cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image, promote your products, create expert status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Welcome to Cover Story. I'm your host, Jian Wei, Director of Product Management here at Vocus. And I'm joined today by Susan Getgood. Susan Getgood is principal of Getgood Strategic Marketing. Since 2004, her firm has been advising organizations on integrated social media and marketing strategies. And prior to that, Susan was senior VP of marketing at Internet software company Surf Control. She blogs professionally at Marketing Roadmaps. So, Susan, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Great. And uh, how are you weathering? You're located uh, up in Boston? Uh, northeast in Boston, yes, and we're having one of, I think, the uh, coldest winters we've had in a long time. I, I, know this was a, I know this was one of the topics we had mentioned we weren't going to talk about, the weather, but um, I just wanted to spend a little time complaining about it because I'm here in, in D.C. and I can't stand, I personally can't stand how cold it is and how snowy it is and how it just ruins everything. Okay, and in August when you're complaining about how hot it is, you just remember that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try, and I'm sure I will be complaining about how hot it is here in August. So tell us about your firm and what makes you guys different from other marketing consultancies out there. Well, you know, I think what makes any marketing consultancy different is the people in it and how they approach the work. And the way I look at what we do is we really help our clients meet their customers online. And that's everything from social media strategies to effectively, you know, building effective websites that can actually get the prospect from landing on the website to purchasing a product. And it also includes some offline work because marketing is a holistic thing. And you you shouldn't, as any company, whether you're small, medium, or large, just do one thing because if you just do one thing, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, and that's never a good strategy. So... Well, you mentioned a few things there. Right? One is social media. Two is you take a, a more of a holistic approach. I mean, is there one thing you guys hang your hat on over another? You know, it's, it's interesting. Not really. I mean, my experience okay. has been fairly varied. I've been in corporate marketing for most of my career up until 2004 when I started this business. And so I really can step in and help clients in any number of things, including, you know, block and tackle, direct mail, or their website's broken. I mean, simple things like that. What I have the most fun with is, is obviously helping them understand how to talk with their customers online. And so that incorporates social media strategy like blogs. It also includes an important piece of that I think people tend to forget when we talk about online. It includes for many companies, whether, no matter what the size, really making sure that they have an effective website because you drive traffic, even if you have a great social media strategy and you drive traffic to a, a website and people land on the website and can't figure out where to go or what to do or how to buy, you've just, you've just killed your whole program. So you really need to look at the whole piece of it, and I think that's what we do 
quite well is making sure that it all hangs together, that if we're developing a blogger relations strategy for someone or a direct mail strategy for someone, that the, the experience carries through for uh, the prospect, for the potential customer. Uh, and so often it doesn't. So often it, it, there's a fail someplace in that, and the customer sort of loses the plot and doesn't know what they're supposed to do, and they go do something else. So, so that's really so tell, what Tell we're us about your doing. process a little bit. I mean, uh, I know you recently did some work with Hewlett-Packard, um, and uh, the, the work specifically I'd like to talk about was a blogger outreach program you did for the launch of HP Photo Books. Maybe you could, maybe you could just anecdotally tell us you know, how that all transpired and how uh, the blogger outreach program came out of your initial interactions with them. Okay. Uh, I was brought in, and there was a number of us all working in different areas for this launch. I was brought in for a piece of the blogger outreach and, in fact, was asked to recommend a strategy. And I recommended uh, a program that involved really, instead of just doing sort of straightforward sort of that kind of PR-ish blogger relations where you send them uh, information about a product and, and hope they review it, that's important. But that kind of thing ends fairly quickly. What I looked at was how can you build, how can you build programs that actually live far longer than the program. And the strategy we came up with, and, and I write a lot about this on my blog, and is we focused instead of just on the products, we actually focused on the bloggers that we in themselves and did a series of interviews with 20 mom bloggers about the role of photography in their lives. And that's a tactic that I call adding value. And, and what it does is it, it, we're looking at something that's important to the blogger that's also important to the company. So we're, we're, it's the shared value of it. Photography is important to moms because it's, it's keeping our memories, it's sharing our memories with our, our families and friends, and that was entirely consistent with the product we were looking to launch, which was a photo book. And what is a photo book for? It's for sharing the memories. So we had a number of different elements in the program that I developed. One was... Some, some review opportunities, but the other was this series of 20 interviews with moms about the role of photography in their lives. And I talked to all different kinds of mom bloggers, from moms who just have a point-and-shoot camera and love to take pictures and don't think they're very good, to professional photographers who are making a living at photography. And we were talking about the same things with all of them. Uh, and you can still see these interviews online. And many of the moms who participated in this program, which was last fall, so it was for last fall and holiday of 2007 was sort of the, the, the time frame, many of the women still have the little badge on their blog linking to their interview on HP's site. They're still pleased and proud to have been included in that campaign. Hmm. So it, it has longer legs because we didn't just talk about products. We talked about the shared values between the company and the bloggers, which was sharing memories and using photography to share memories. So, so, so what you, you came in and you kind of helped change the focus from, hey, let's just pitch our products, let's go create a, a list of bloggers and, and send them our press releases, to let's go and reach out to these bloggers and let's create this, this piece where we're actually talking about some of, uh, in your words, some of the shared values and I guess shared interests between uh, the brand and uh, and these bloggers out there. And you went out and you shot these interviews, and, and they were posted to the to I guess it uh, must have been an HP HP. They're, they're written interviews. They're not 
they're not video. They're written. Uh, oh, they are written. Okay. They're, okay. they're written. So they're, they're like little stories. And we highlighted okay. the photos that the women took. So we show people some of their own photography. Um, I'll, I'll step back for a second. We also sure. did the other kind of campaign, the broader thing. You can't do these kinds of very tailored, very specific campaigns. You can't do them large because they'd become prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a desire. You know, when you have a new product, people do want to review it. So there were also elements that other people were working on that were about, you know, just talking to people about, we have a new product, would you like to review it? And it's, it's interesting because we talk about blogger relations, and now that's something that's being bantered about a lot more frequently. Um, and I think people still have this traditional mindset of what blogger relations is, is you have a campaign or you have a product you want to promote, and so you're reaching out to bloggers just like traditionally you would have reached out to journalists. But what you're talking about seems like something that's kind of fundamentally different. I'm almost, you know, it's almost like maybe there needs to be, does that still fall under the umbrella of blogger relations even? I think it does because I'm not, I'm not sure what umbrella it falls under if it doesn't. And, okay. and in okay. fact, it is. It's about, talk, it's about the company and its customers coming together online. And, I, you know, I, I keep stressing it's not just about bloggers. One of the things that we, I think, especially when we're talking about PR folks, we have a hard time sort of grasping is, is that the blogger isn't an independent third party who doesn't have a stake in this. The blogger is probably the customer. And okay. the way we talk to our customers has got to be different than the way we talk to a disinterested third party. I mean, even if we don't realize it is, it, sh- it is. And so this is, this is sort of a different kind of, I guess what I look at it is blog relations encompasses that whole scope. It's, you know, there's new product outreach, which is, you know, I've got a new product. Would you like to try it? As sure. long as, you know, you cover all the other basics like, you know, target your list properly and don't reach out to people who aren't appropriate and sure. don't send crummy press releases, you know, all the stuff that's the basics. But when you get past a new product, what if you have an older product or you're, you know, one of the things that we forget a lot, and I just wrote about this this week, is for bloggers, it doesn't really have to be new. It just has mm. to be new to them. As long as it's mm. relevant and good, they don't care if the product is 10 years old. If they wrote a post yesterday about a problem that was vexing them, and you go in the comments or send them an email the next day saying, hey, you know, I want to send you my product, blah, 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 because it would help you, that's relevant. And that's, that's still blogger relations. It's just looking at it with a slightly different lens. You're building a long-term relationship with someone, not trying to just get quick hits. Let's, let's go back. I want to go back to the HP example really quickly, though. I mean, you're, you're talking about um, going out. You did these interviews with, with these mommy blockers, um, and I think that you said there were, t- there were 20 of them that you did the well, interviews 20, with. 22 or something like that. I forget exactly. How, it was between, I think it was about 22 in the end. And, and so I guess, I mean, it, what I'm wondering is at the end of the day when you're going back and you start evaluating, um, you know, you're looking at the indicators from the campaign, what were the types of things you were seeing and how were you able to justify uh, the initial spend? Well, you know, that's, uh, you know, stepping all the way back in the beginning, I'll say, you know, part of this project also was HP was trying different tactics to see what kinds of things would work in, in blogger outreach. And since, mm-hmm. you know, if you sort of looked at them, they continue to do a lot of interesting things with blogger outreach over the last couple of years. But so there was sort of lots of different things going on. And we started, you know, we wanted to have metrics at the very beginning. So, so think of this. This was a very finite campaign. It was a launch from 
fall through the holiday period was the, the key period for photo books in 2007. And okay. all of our blogger outreach, whether it was review outreach or this more um, tailored story-based outreach, all was driving buyers to their online site. And so okay. we had a measurement that we could actually look at in the end to see if we'd been successful. And it's really important to sort of start out knowing you want that, build it into the program so that you can say, yes, this was successful. And sure. in, in this case, you know, we all believe it was very successful because they exceeded their sales expectations for that one outlet, which was online, for this product by ten times for that holiday period. Wow. So you were able you know, to actually track a kind of a ten times increase to this campaign. And so, you know, so you look at this, you know, yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you have to build in measurement up front so that you know what's working, what's not working, what kinds of campaign works. And the measurements have to be based on actions that people would take. You know, awareness is great, but I don't know anybody who ever went into business to make people more aware of their product. They kind of sure. want to sell it. Sure. So you have to look at the behaviors. And so build all of that in. So I think that's why it's, 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 an, it's a very interesting project to look at as a, on a case study basis is it had a finite time, it was a new product, it tried a lot of different tactics, and it achieved uh, a measurable outcome that indicated that it was successful. And you had, you had pretty hard metrics, it sounds like, to justify uh, that outcome. Yes. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about best practices. Uh, you wrote an article a while back titled The Secret Sauce for the Perfect Pitch. So I want to go talk a little bit more about that side of blogger relations when we return. Stick around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Oh, wise master, I've climbed up this mountain to seek your wisdom. Yes, how can I help you, my son? I've traveled far to ask why my business isn't growing. You are on top of this mountain when you should be on topnichenetworks.com. But I need answers. You should be on topnichenetworks.com. Specializing in direct marketing and lead generation as well as list management, topnichenetworks.com has exclusives and leading payouts. They welcome new affiliates with hot offers. We don't seem to get the results we need at a price we can afford. Topnichenetworks.com will work on a performance-only basis, so you only pay for results. TopNicheNetworks.com has the answers that you've been seeking for making your business a success on a performance-only basis. And that's a good thing, because my butt's falling asleep. 
Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. The Shoe Money Show. Ring on the bling. Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. On WebmasterRadio.fm. Trying to crank in the cash. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. I'm your co-host, John Way. Brandy is unfortunately not able to join us today, but I am joined by Susan Getgood, principal of Getgood Strategic Marketing, who blogs at Marketing Roadmaps. And before we left off, I had alluded to an article you had written, Susan, uh, The Secret Sauce for the Perfect Pitch. And I know we have a lot of listeners who are interested in knowing exactly what that secret sauce is. So I was hoping you could provide for us just sort of a recap of um, what you would say constitutes the perfect pitch. Okay. That's, first of all, thank you for bringing up that post, which so far in four years of blogging remains my favorite. I, I really like this post. So uh, there is no real perfect pitch, right? One man's spam is another person's breakfast. But there are some things that, that I think create the near-perfect pitch. So I'll, I'll go through them for you. The first is okay. relevance. I think that that's the most important ingredient. We talk about relationship a lot, and I think relationships are important. But if you don't deliver a relevant pitch, it doesn't matter how much the blogger might like you or know who you are. It has to be relevant to their interests, to their blog, to the things that they write about. Uh, you have to be respectful. Uh, nothing irritates bloggers more than the idea that, that you, the company, are doing them a favor by sharing this great news that they just can't live without and you have to write about it. You know, I, I sometimes tell them why you're excited about something, but not that they'll be really excited. And heaven forbid, don't use the phrase, your readers will love it, because if you use that phrase, you'll go in the trash immediately. Uh, the, the sort of the, the next two ingredients are what I call brevity and clarity, get to the point quickly. If it takes three paragraphs to get to the point, that's too, too many and you've only got a few seconds to get, get someone's interest. But the most important thing, I think, is to tell them what's in it for them. And this has been, a, you know, the wisdom in, in things has been the, the secret sauce of sales since the beginning of, of exchanges. And what's in it for me? What's my value? What am I getting? And that's this whole concept of adding value to the blogger. Uh, uh, I, the phrase I use is sort of, you should add value, otherwise you should be advertising. Mm. It just kind of reminds me, I know there are some services out there um, where you can actually, um, you have something, an opportunity you want to pitch, and you can actually pay bloggers to write about uh, your story. Now, I, I, I'm guessing, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be guilty of leading the witness, but, but, I'm guessing you may have had some perspectives on this whole process. I'm not a big fan of, of what you'll call pay-per-post. Uh-huh. I 
don't really have a problem with compensating people for what they write, uh, but pay for post as sort of a general strategy, I think, tends to lead to very cookie-cutter approaches. The company will put out a pitch or an idea, you know, we'll give 10 bloggers a gift certificate to the store, and they'll go blog about what they bought. After you've read the first one or two of those, how many more do you really want to read? It gets a little bit mundane. And and so I'm not a big fan of them. There's nothing, as long as it's open and ethical, I, you know, people disclose that they're doing pay for post. It's okay. I just think mm-hmm. we can do a lot better if we really focus in on how we, as an organization or company, can create a program or a pitch that adds value to that blogger that would make them want to write about it because it fits with their blog. Mm-hmm. They don't need to get paid because you're giving them content that is important and valuable. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I think more conceptually, one thing I'm always struggling with is it seems like, you know, now we've been talking about blogging for, for quite some year, quite, quite a few years, and it seems um, as though there are definitely some people who are starting to differentiate themselves. But um, I think ultimately, it just I, I kind of wonder, what is the economic model behind blogging? Is it always something that people are going to do in the margins of their time that's going to be sort of this peripheral practice? Or is there going to be an actual practice of blogging that emerges with sort of a viable um, financial model that allows people to do that? Because it does seem like the people who are finding success are doing it on a pretty consistent basis. I think blogging has got... A blog is a website, right? It's just it's a website using... And so the monetization of a blog is is sort of no different than some of the, the monetization tactics that were successful on websites. And some blogs will exist as places for people to show their thought leadership in there or identify themselves as what they do for a living. That would be, you know, what I write about, right? That's what Marketing mm-hmm. Roadmaps is. I don't make any money out of that as a blog. The money I make mm-hmm. has to do with my regular business. And there will be blogs that, that come about that actually are monetized and successful, whether it's through advertising or sponsorships. And it'll just evolve in a similar fashion, I think, to the way the web did. So uh, you, you bring up something I do want to talk about. I do want to talk a little bit more about um, marketing roadmaps and some of your experiences with that. It's a, it's a very successful blog. Um, and I guess, can you, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what drove you to initially launch marketing roadmaps? And then I want to talk more about some of your experiences of what you've gained from marketing roadmaps. Sure. Uh, in 2004, I had just left my position uh, through a massive layoff at Surf Control, and I had had a I had run a marketing department of 15 people, and I had I was mentoring people. I had an opportunity to you know, share my knowledge and expertise, and I went from that to you know me myself and I, and sure. I looked at blogging as a way to share initially to share my sales and marketing background. I mean, the things I knew about getting leads, about closing business, about, you know, what works in marketing, what works in public relations, because I touched all those things, and I thought it would be a good way of of sort of continuing to mentor people in some fashion. Over time, the blog has morphed. As I've moved more into social media spaces, it's morphed more into about social media, but I still bring everything back to basic marketing because at the end of the day, social media is just a tool we're using to do marketing. 
if you in that in that context. I mean, social media is way more than that. But when you look at, it's not an end in and of itself. Doing a blog for a marketing campaign is not the goal. The goal is to achieve X, Y, Z for the business. Uh, you don't set up a business com- a community for your product because it, it would be a fun thing to do. You do it because you have an objective. So I always bring things back to that, even though I'm focusing much more on social media. So marketing roadmaps, it seems like recently you've sort of been talking about the convergence of social media and marketing. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about a study you participated in that looked at the convergence of social media, marketing, and customer service. Stick around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with Referback.com. They've shown me how to... Referback.com showed me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your Looking website. Looking for a new way Just to visit build backlinks and traffic com. back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to thousands of subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO, SEO ready. ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at ArticleSender.com. That's ArticleSender.com. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Find the WebmasterRadio.fm Web 2.0 watering hole and have a drink on us. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Find us now on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. I'm your host, Gian Wei from Vocus, and I'm joined here by Susan Getgood. Now, Susan, you're on uh, the, you, you participate with an organization called the Society for New Communications Research, uh, Snicker. Um, they're often referred to, and uh, you speak regularly at their conferences, um, but you also participated in a study they recently did on customer care and brand reputation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the origins of the study? We were looking, we wanted to look at what impact customer experiences had on purchasing decisions and how consumers were using social media in that process. And so that was the sort of what's, what, what is that, inf- how was that influence uh, 
what we do, what we do, what we buy, and and so that was the the, the genesis of it. And and so, how did you guys? What, how was the research conducted? Uh, you know, the the best people to go into all of the sort of uh, detail of the model and the mm-hmm. statistical results uh, is Nora Gannon Barnes, who runs the research for Snicker. But it was okay. a uh, research report. You know, solid research, survey research mm-hmm. uh, with you know actual. You know, it wasn't just sort of one of these fuzzy things that you yeah. do. And so what, can you tell me a little bit about some of the findings and some of the conclusions you guys came sure. to? Sure, sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is that we learned, we verified our belief. I think we all sort of, you know, y'all, we all believe this in, a, in our head, that postings on customer care experiences do influence people's purchasing decisions. But more than people in posting of necessarily just about negative experiences, people were also posting about positive things and in an effort to share good news, not just tell about bad. Uh, one thing that I found the most interesting, I think probably of all the things, was in uh, one, of the, one of the results was when making purchasing decisions, how valuable are different sources of online information. And it mm-hmm. went from everything from search engines to rating systems all the way down to company blogs and RSS and YouTube and, and microblogging. What was interesting was blogs, discussion forums, online rating systems, and search engines all outranked company websites as sources for information. And I think that's important for companies to understand is, is that people are just as likely to be looking at those reviews, those opinions of other people as they are coming to your website and reading whatever you've spent you know, X number of hours build crafting the perfect sentence to describe your product. Hmm. Uh, so I guess when, when you actually look at consumer practices, um, they may go to your website, they may learn about what it is that you're, you're, you have on the market from your collateral, but when they're really making decisions about purchasing, they're going into, into kind of more neutral, community-oriented spaces to kind of formulate their emotional perspective on what it is that you're selling. In this, in this survey, we found that 72% of, this, of those surveyed research products and services online, and mm-hmm. 84% consider the company's customer care reputation, and mm-hmm. 74% choose based on that reputation. So if you have a negative reputation, if you're getting negative reviews, you, the chances of people not buying your product are getting pretty good. So what does that mean then for companies? I guess at a minimum it must mean that they must, you know, I mean clearly they have to go and, and monitor these spaces to see what their reputation's like. But then after that, what does it mean? I think it's an opportunity really because to some degree only 30%, I think that was 30%, I just want to just take a quick look. Yeah, only 30% of the people in that survey thought that businesses were taking customer opinions seriously. So, you know, we're, we're using them to make purchasing decisions, but we're not really sure that the companies are listening. We may be listening to each other, but we're not sure the companies are listening. And I think that is the opportunity for companies that do take the time to listen, to monitor what's being said about their products and services online, and obviously to take some action on that information. And it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a big deal, but it, it, does have an, it does have to be something. You know, people are saying negative things about your product. You need to understand that, and you need to do something about it. And right. those that do are going to have a long, t- better long-term success. I think in the summary of the in the survey, I did some interviews with some people 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, who actually participated in the study about their practices. And one of the things I said in the conclusion was, it, this may not have a short-term result for companies if they don't bother to listen, if they just continue to act in the same old way. But over time and in the near term, as the younger generations grow up, and the, those we'll call the digital natives who are expect online engagement, if companies aren't engaging with their customers online, it will have an impact on their bottom line. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, when I'm looking at making a decision about buying one product over another, I think it's, for me, I go into, you know, I'll go to, like, Google blog search. I'll look at Usenet and, and uh, look at some of the forums that are, and, see, and try to kind of track what people are, are, are discussing. And, and I always thought I was sort of in the minority with these practices. I mean, I would rarely ever go to the, the customer web, or I'm sorry, the company website itself, but it seems like what this study is saying is that more and more people are becoming very active consumers and they're becoming a lot more astute about what are sort of the, the more community-driven um, spaces out there where they can get more kind of neutral, unbiased opinions. Well, and as one of the, the people I interviewed said, uh, she believed that online she was more likely to find an expert on anything that she might need help with, whereas in the real world she was limited to just what her, the people in her you know, real-life circle knew about. Sure. So if you were looking for something that no one in your family or friends or circle of acquaintances had any knowledge about, without the online component of it, you wouldn't have anyone to ask, whereas now you can, you've expanded your ability of who you can ask for feedback on these things. So it is... It is definitely changing the way we look for expert opinion. And, you know, it's, it's true, I think, and, and, and this has been pointed out in, in, in both this study and others, that it tends to be, you know, more important when we're talking about big purchases, like, you know, you're going to buy a TV, you're going to buy a new computer, you're going to buy a new car, you're going to go on vacation, things that are going to consume large amounts of dollars. But we don't want to underestimate the power of the multiple negatives that might accrue to a, a smaller brand. I mean, yes, we don't make a decision about a $3 box of cereal based on a review, but over time if we saw continually negative statements about a particular brand, that's going to impact the long-term success of that brand. And $3 a box times the life of a consumer and how many boxes of cereal they might buy does actually add it up to a lot of money. Well, Susan, I think that's actually a great place to conclude. We're really coming up at the end of our show here, um, and uh, those, are, those are some great closing thoughts. So I want to thank you for joining us today here on Cover Story. Um, just to, to reiterate, Susan Getgood is principal of Get Good Strategic Marketing. We've been talking to her today about blogger relations, about uh, holistic marketing, and about the impact of um, social media on customer support and brand reputation. She blogs at Marketing Roadmaps, which you can visit at http getgood.com forward slash roadmaps, or just run a Google search for uh, Marketing Roadmaps, I guess, and you probably come up number one, huh? On that, I, I do come up number one, yes. <laughs> okay, great. Because that's, that's how I usually find it. I'll just type in the, the little or Marketing Google Roadmaps. Or you Susan Google, Getgood. There is only one up. of us. <laughs> But at any rate, I just want to thank you for joining us. I think it's been a great discussion today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.